Welcome to Meta Talks. I'm Will, and I'm one of the co-founders. We help startups, businesses, investors, and governments be more innovative and sustainable. In season three of the Meta Talks podcast, I'll be chatting to some great guests about breaking the mold around traditional ways of doing business and how they're using tech to drive change for good. Like previous seasons of Meta Talks, our guests and I will also be joined by members of the amazing Meta team. As always, I hope that both we and you, our listeners, will learn something interesting so that you can take it away and apply your learnings to your own journey or thinking. Hello, and welcome back to Meta Talks. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Will, and I'm one of the Meta founders. In case you miss episode one of the latest podcast season, and if you did, make sure to go back and give it a listen, this season's podcast is all about innovation and sustainability in startups and technology. Across this season, we'll be chatting to people breaking the mold around traditional ways of doing business while using innovation and sustainability to drive change for good. We're hoping that both we and you, our listeners, will be able to learn something interesting, something that you can take away and apply to your own journey or thinking. Today, I'm also joined by Meta's marketing lead, Nicole. Thanks, Will. So for our second episode today, we're joined by Sarah Middlemas, who's the COO of Ecometrica for the UK and Europe as well. So Ecometrica are experts in climate metrics and since 2008 have been enabling businesses and governments to accurately and transparently calculate their climate impact. And they do this using their software platform. Ecometrica is dedicated to providing transparent environmental reporting to help businesses, governments and society better understand their environmental impact on resources and build resilience for the future. So Sarah, hi, we're happy to have you with us here in the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so first question then, just for the listeners to get to know you a wee bit better, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? What was your background before Ecometrica and your journey to join in the business? Sure. Well, I've been at Ecometrica for nearly nine years now. So actually, I must admit most of my career, to be honest. But um, prior to joining Ecometrica, I was working in the third sector. Well, I, I did a, a little bit of work for, for various charities, um, some in international development and um, just before joining Ecometrica uh, for a, a small Glasgow campaigning organisation called the Scottish Fair Trade Forum. So I'd always kind of had a, a real inkling to work for an organisation that had its roots in sustainable development. And I was just incredibly lucky to be introduced to Ecometrica when I was um, and joined, yeah, pretty pretty junior, to be honest. My role was very much around kind of trying to get people to use our, what was quite new at the time, this this mapping platform and, and, and trying to understand who, who uses maps and would they like to use our stuff. And then from that, I was able to kind of grow as as the business did and when we grew what we call the kind of space program using satellite data to to map out uh, different environmental impacts and and here we are now with a kind of fully fledged offering that looks at ghg emissions climate impacts and impacts on nature as well awesome and given your kind of route into the business what attracted you to kind of climate tech or climate reporting from a i guess we say professional career point of view back in the day yeah, well, like I said, I think I always knew that I wanted to work for an organisation or a company that had some kind of purpose or, or mission. And I, what I really loved about Ecometrica and just the, the sector in general is the idea of working for a company that is, is innovative and is able to kind of move quickly and have quite a tangible impact quickly. 
um, but without the constraints of yeah working for the third sector or the government where things are slow or funding resources are poor you know the idea is that what working with the private sector in this space that companies are going to pay for it and then it's kind of creating its own market and that I think is sort of proven to be the case here so um, yeah it's been great to work for a mission-led company that is also just truly innovative and you know surrounded by smart people is great. And just quickly on that do you think there has been that kind of private market pressure to get third sector or public sector kind of further advanced through kind of climate tech reporting and that sort of thing since your time with the business or do you think that's still a work in progress? It's a good question I think there is it's a work in progress but I think particularly looking at like international development things like AI you know satellite data that we use there's been a real movement about things like space for development about AI for development and I think that is a real push I suspect there might be a bit of a gap between kind of those organizations, particularly smaller ones, I suppose, that have been in it and then the sort of the, the new emerging tech and just bridging that gap. But you can certainly see, particularly the bigger sort of charities and NGOs, it's like um, WWF, RSPB, you know, they're all using technology to monitor nature, for example. So I think it's definitely improving. Yeah. And just to to add to that, Sarah, for any of our listeners who might be new to the space, could you tell us a bit about climate metrics sort of in general and why it's something that people should be paying attention to if they're not already? So when we talk about climate metrics, it covers a whole range of things. So we're looking at uh, your emissions, so GHG emissions, looking at things like physical climate risks. So in 20 years time, what is the risk that the business I own could be flooded or susceptible to heat waves but also things like environmental impact so has there been deforestation or is there deforestation in my supply chain has there been a sort of damage to the the biodiversity in the, in the area that I own and I think it's of increasing importance for a few reasons I think in some sectors in particular it's been recognized that there are actually kind of tangible risks associated to the depletion of nature and and, and climate change you know, things like agriculture, food supply chains, they're obviously, you know, really susceptible. But also there's been a real push by governments and sort of legislation that means that companies have to report and disclose on this. And it really has kind of forced the hands of companies to properly look at their impact and disclose and then ideally take action to reduce as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, as we mentioned in the introduction, uh, Ecometrica have been around since 2008. So that's roughly around 15 years. Definitely early adopters in the space. So just based on what you were saying before then, companies are now kind of forced into reporting on these emissions where they wouldn't have before. How have you seen interest change in the last 15 years? And has the industry developed in the way that you would have expected it to? So there's definitely been a shift. And I think, you know, I've been around for a while, but our founders who you know, started the company were working in this space even before Ecometrica. They really have the battle scars to show how much things have changed. You know, as an example, we used to have to have people on the phones constantly trying to persuade people. And I remember our CEO telling us a story about he went to quite a large company, you know, doing the bit of the sales cycle. And he was introduced as the tree hugger. Um, which which uh, to the rest of the board which uh, didn't go down too well but now we can't move from the inbound inquiries that we get from companies who just really need help measuring and, and reporting on their impact and it, I think what's really really interesting to see is that yeah that perception of oh yeah environmental it's a bit wishy-washy and tree huggery to now 
I think there's a real kind of parallel with the financial sector in that there's a lot of pressure from investment. The kind of it's accounting in the same way that you might have to you well, you do companies do have to account for you know their revenues and, and costs. It's, it's exactly the same, but it's your you know your carbon costs and your carbon revenue, and you know a lot of the standards also. So there's the the newly established International Sustainability Standards Board, the ISSB, which is actually a kind of a subset of the International Financial Standards Board. So there's that real kind of alignment with financial reporting, financial services that just makes the whole thing feel a bit more professional. I think we're going to see a whole load of new talent coming through that is sort of professional sustainability experts or accountants. And I think, yeah, there's definitely been a real shift over the past 15 years. And I guess two questions from that. One of the conversations that I've been having over the last couple of, well, last 18 months or so, the different types of kind of standardization or the fragmentation of the standardization as the new kind of structures do come in place. Do you think we'll see consolidation of that or at least a simplification of that? And secondly, do you think where we are now in 2023 there's any difference compared to kind of 2008 in terms of this being more as you say a kind of a business as usual activity where you treat your climate accounting as much as your financial accounting yeah well in terms of the consolidation point i mean yeah that's always i think a challenge and i know it's something that companies struggle with just sort of proliferation of standards at the moment i'm sure i read um somewhere that there's over 300 different types of reporting frameworks for emissions and, and, and climate change. Which is bonkers. Yeah, I know. And you do feel for companies, I mean, where do you start? But I do think the likes of the ISSB, it, it, the whole purpose is to really kind of consolidate that and using things like the GHJ protocol as the kind of the keystone of truth, if you like, of, of how things are calculated. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely coming and, you know, fingers crossed it comes comes quickly i was at a vc conference last year and there was a a couple of very well attended which i was pleasantly surprised at kind of working sessions where we're starting to see early stage funds require startups to kind of report on climate as much as they do on their financial side of things that's obviously a very niche subset of the kind of the investors that we know of but it's nice to see that at least at the early stage of the startup market no definitely and i think that kind of the idea of sustainability reporting being part of good governance. Um, you know, I suppose that's the G and ESG, isn't it? We are seeing a lot of pressure from investors. We speak to a lot of financial institutions, whether, you know, whether it's P or portfolio managers, whatever that means. And, you know, I think it's because they do see climate change as a risk coming down the line, whether that's reputational, whether that's because they see legislation changing down the line. So you've kind of got this double pronged approach. You've got the sort of compliance side of things. So if you're a company that's listed, you have to report and you have to disclose. But equally, if you're looking for funding, whether that's from VCs, you say early stage, or even banks are looking at it now, they're trying to understand, well, is our portfolio that we're lending to potentially at risk in terms of what they're, you know, we have to report on this. So I think it means that the, the group of, organizations that have to kind of think about it and report on it is definitely broadening 
So just kind of, you know, for anybody listening just now or any businesses that are maybe looking to start measuring their climate impact or for somebody just getting started, do you have any tips on how to begin the reporting journey? And would you say there are any sort of common misconceptions when people are looking to start out? So I think, yeah, a couple of things on that. I think the key thing is to start simple. That's obviously really important. As we've alluded to, there's a lot of different standards you can choose from. It can be a bit overwhelming. So I think just sort of picking a framework and, you know, things like CDP are sort of meant to be sort of easy to use in inverted commas um, and, you know, have very kind of clear guidance that you can disclose on the different parts of your operations. And I think it's really important to, to, first of all, just sort of define the scope of what it is you want to report on, figure out well what what's actually material if you work in a, just an office environment, you're one place, then probably you're not really going to be looking at, you know, really deep down the supply chain at emissions of the fruit bowl that you get delivered every week. But, you know, if you are a user of cloud computing services, then, yeah, that's probably quite an important part of your supply chain that you need to capture. So just figuring out what are the kind of big things in your operations that are likely to have the most impact. And then it's about actually measuring it and reporting it, you know, whether it's using a spreadsheet or using a tool like ours, but just sort of using a robust methodology. And then once you've kind of, it's that classic thing, you can't manage what you don't measure. So once you've got that and you've understood, then you can properly understand, well, okay, where can I actually make a difference? Where can I reduce or should I invest in, in offsets or, you know, whatever it might be. And then it's kind of, you start all over again to see, well, have those decisions actually had an impact and, and has, it, has it worked and kind of evaluate that. And I think there's a little bit of a misconception at the moment. Um, you know, there, there's a real focus on net zero. Every, you know, net zero is in law. Companies have net zero strategies. But I think there's a bit of a misconception that the route to net zero is just offsetting. And, you know, there's been a lot in the press recently about kind of different offset standards and how viable they are, how robust they are. And I think what's really important is that your starting point, obviously net zero is a great ambition, but you've got to reduce before you offset. So figuring out where, you know, where are those kind of those low hanging fruits and the early wins that you can take to kind of reduce your own impact. And then when there's nothing else you can do, that's when you offset. Awesome. And going back to a point that you made earlier in terms of the founders being kind of fighting the battle and having the scars before even kind of founding Ecometrica. Talk us through the the kind of the product, if you can call it a product from an Ecometrica point of view in terms of using innovation. And as as we've kind of covered, the innovation changes or has changed in the last, last 15 years in terms of standardization, et cetera, et cetera. But that that you as a, as a company yourselves using innovation to drive the change for good, talk us through that kind of process. I mean, I think the whole the whole company, to be honest, started from innovation. So our founders were working together, you know, consulting, doing carbon footprints for companies, but it was on a spreadsheet and they just thought, well, isn't there a bit of an easier way to do that? And that's really where the idea came from, the idea of kind of making it available as software so that, you know, you can look at last year's results and update them and collect data. Again, very, very similarly in the same way that you would with just sort of accounting software. And I think, you know, hats off to them, they're very ahead of their time. That idea of just having a system that you sort of is as integratable as financial grade accounting software. And um, that was really kind of how it all started. 
And then over time, I think one of the key innovations is that idea of using geospatial data to really kind of complement and add value to that. You know, when we're looking at impacts, we're not looking at it sort of holistically, we're looking at it kind of geographically and location specific. So that could be looking at your emissions from a particular operational site, so a particular office. But what we can also do is then bring in satellite derived data to look at kind of broader environmental impacts. So like I was saying earlier, looking at biodiversity, forest cover, looking at physical climate risk and that kind of thing. And we've, we've worked a lot over the years in that kind of innovation space. And we had a great project called Forest 2020 back in for, in 2020 and the run up to. And it was brilliant. We were working across um, sort of six, seven different countries in the tropics. And the whole idea was sort of improving how satellites are used to monitor forests effectively. So working with governments as well as companies. And, and it just sort of raised the level of data available to those governments to actually monitor their own assets that then in turn allows companies who who need to monitor the same land, their supply chains in there, to then be able to kind of report and with robust and authoritative data that's just sort of improved across the board. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. And then I just wanted to ask as well, in terms of like any advice that you've got for the listeners just now, what would you say is the the biggest piece of advice that you could give to any founder or business owners listening around sort of generally incorporating sustainability into their everyday business practice? I think it's again just about kind of keeping it simple and not trying to do too much too quickly. Um, figure out what the what the low hanging fruit is, and then you know as you grow, I always think sustainability is it tends to be quite a good tool for attracting talent, particularly young graduates, and that means that you're pretty much guaranteed to get champions within your business. And I think once you have a champion for sustainability or a group of champions for sustainability, then it becomes much easier, and they kind of they can roll things out and actually get creative and innovative about how they approach it within the company yeah we've definitely found that in terms of attracting the right sort of talent if you position yourself and you have a the basis of an understanding of what you're doing it helps bring in the right sort of people which is which is great just in the interest of time there's lots more that we could talk about but i think we don't want to get too far down the garden path as we kind of come to the end of our conversation we get to our pass it on question so at the end of each episode we ask our guests to come up with a question for our next guest but they don't know who the next guest is going to be or what they do so for you sarah our previous podcast guest's question is if you were to advise any startup to change one thing about their company would it be sustainability people focused or something else and why so I suspect I'm probably supposed to say sustainability, but I'm going to say um, <laughs> people. And I'm not necessarily <laughs> to to change. I mean, I think to, to ask a company to change something is, is obviously so specific, but just the idea of recognising that particularly as a startup or a small company, people are your main resource. You know, you rely so heavily on them, particularly at the beginning. And, you know, if you attract the right talent at the beginning, then they're your real kind of, driving force to get going and I think also again particularly a small company it's the people that kind of build build that culture and form that culture that's a thread running through as you grow you know we're very lucky we still have our founders leading our business but a lot of the people who are here at the beginning aren't here anymore there may be a couple but you know the majority have, have moved on to other things but there's still that kind of 
that thread almost like a legacy of culture because the people that they started the business with were just the right people and they moved on at the right time that's fine but that kind of thread has just kept through and it's meant that obviously culture it's changed over time but that kind of yeah the kind of cornerstone to it is still there and it's been a thread going through as, as we've grown over the years interesting so you're you're not challenged by trying to retrofit the culture which is something that we've come across before where you you kind of decide that you want to do something but you're too established or entrenched in what you're doing to make it easier to do than from the beginnings if that makes sense that was a very odd way of trying to say something but hopefully it made sense <laughs> no no i get you i mean don't get me wrong i mean change management particularly for a growing company is always going to be difficult and i think like everyone covid and the pandemic and you know that kind of complete shift to hybrid and remote working it was a really difficult thing to to kind of manage particularly culturally you know we're hiring new people who've never been to the office or met people in person it was it was really challenging but I think bringing people back to you know we're now in a sort of hybrid environment people are coming to the office and just seeing kind of senior leaders and founders and and people who kind of got the culture and I suppose live and breathe the culture it's meant that it's a bit more organic and it's not too um yeah it's not too glitchy and clunky and, and trying to retrofit as you say Awesome. In terms of just kind of wrapping up and resources and places for people to look at Ecometrica and the type of work that you do and this content more broadly, do you have any kind of recommendations or kind of advice for where people should go? Well, people can obviously visit our website, <laughs> ecometrica.com. We do, obviously a bit of a plug, but we do, we, and we are sort of continuing to build a bit of a knowledge base. Um, it's not just kind of pure self-promotion. We, we do have lots of just sort of interesting articles and how-to things on that kind of thing. I also think there are various kind of frameworks. I think the starting point, if you're wanting to calculate your GHG emissions, is the GHG protocol. It's not always the easiest thing to read, but it is sort of, you know, our analysts call it the GHG Bible. So um, definitely important place to start. And if you're wanting to look at kind of other other types of impact, like whether it's climate risk or nature related, then there's the task force for climate related financial disclosure, TCFD. And the same for nature, TNFD. And they've obviously got loads of information about how to kind of account for or disclose those sorts of impacts. And CDP also, I think, is a, is a great resource and an option for disclosing. Awesome. Drowning in the acronyms. Yeah, I know. It's almost as bad as it. Aerospace. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Never ending. We'll put the links in the description as well. But if anyone comes our way asking for more questions, we'll, we'll let you know. But thank you. It's been great to have you with us. And we appreciate the time. Not at all. My pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening. For more information about Meta and the work that we do, head to our website, meta.partners. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and other social networks, where we post regular updates and articles that should hopefully help you with your own sustainability journey. You can also find our monthly newsletter on the website, so sign up to that for all the latest in innovation and sustainability. We'll be back with the next episode of Meta Talks next month. So until then, take care and see you soon.